Welcome back to the Returning to Oneself podcast. I am Mish. I'm Emma. And every two weeks, us, a special guest, will help you to understand how and why you are abandoning yourself. So if you are someone that lacks self-confidence, feels stuck hating their body, and is constantly striving to change yourself into a smaller version, whether that be physically and or emotionally, this podcast is for you. With our and our guests' experience and expertise, not only will you be reminded that you are not alone in this struggle, but there is hope that you can go from disconnected from yourself and your body to being reconnected. Stick with us as we teach you how you can return to yourself and finally reach a place where you are at peace with yourself, your life and your body. So in this week's episode, we are joined by Danny Tabor, well-being coach, a women's only gym owner, and a ray of sunshine as called by many. Welcome. How are you, you, Danny? I'm good. Despite being a bit tired, I feel like I've been under a bit of a cloud the last few months. I'm a new mum. I'm sure a lot of people will understand that cloud. Yeah, which is possibly why my husband doesn't think I'm a ray of sunshine, you know, at the moment. But like, I'm coming out. Like, <laughs> I love it. So we first want you to let us know and also our listeners know two interesting facts about you and secondly we want to know if you were a cartoon character who would you be and why (laughs) wait it did not prepare me i'm here with my notes all right two interesting facts okay my first interesting fact is that i was in harry potter yeah, well, I played a character called Angelina Johnson, Quidditch captain, scored a couple of goals in the first film. You know, that is my like full on claim to fame. So I feel like I don't have a, another interesting fact that will top that because it's quite a fun one. That counts as two. Great. And so, cartoon character. I'm going to be the little dinosaur from The Land Before Time. He loses his mum and it's the first film that I ever felt a feeling watching so since we've got the fun stuff out of the way shall we just dive straight into the deep shit now (laughs) as you know our podcast addresses the way we as women abandon ourselves we also talk about a lot of the ways that we can reconnect and come back to ourselves so the first question for you is in what ways you personally experienced self-abandonment in your life? It hit mostly when I was around 10. I think that's when I started really abandoning myself. I remember this girl, she wasn't nice. We were friends. She called me bossy in the playground and it still hits me deep now. So I learned to not be assertive even I would pretend to not know what I wanted because people didn't like it I didn't know what the word bossy meant in the sense of I didn't know that it was a derogatory word the way in which she said it I was like well she's she's calling me horrible so that was probably the first thing I did to abandon myself was yeah pretend that I didn't know what I wanted and I've like always grown up to be a really opinionated person like I think I've always known who I am there was a part there was a a moment in time big moment in time where I really didn't and also I had some family members that would say things like you split hairs meaning like you're being pedantic you're being nitty-gritty and you don't need to be I like that about myself now I wanted to be seen as the cool chill girl so badly that it hurt my soul because like I was not chill 
I'm not chill. I'm not laid back. Little things fuck me up. Obviously, like, I think I probably didn't know how to voice those things and communicate them in ways. My mum was a really assertive person. I gr- and I grew up hearing people around us slag her off and call her too much. And because me and my mum were really similar, I took that on board for myself as well. Like, I was, I was too needy, too much, too opinionated. I felt like an ogre. So I just played small. I wanted to be small. It wasn't until, like late late later on in my life that I realized part of my disordered eating I would binge and restrict binge and restrict a lot of that was about being cool I really wanted to be cool and people to think I was cool laid back chill I felt so uncool in my body I felt like dieting or watching what you eat even just being healthful I didn't felt like that wasn't cool right like if you were cool you didn't care what you ate you were like carefree but I cared so much so I would pretend to be so chill with food that I would binge in public overly binge in public like I didn't really binge in private which is you know the general sort of go-to because I really wanted people to think I just didn't care but then I would go home continue the binge I suppose a bit but then I would restrict overly because I did care I realized yeah a lot of my body dysmorphia and disordered eating was about being being cool which is weird because I wasn't not cool at school my friends will tell you like what are you talking about you fit in but I did not feel like I fit in that's interesting what you just said that if we asked your friends they would probably not understand what you're talking about but I think this is a great point because it shows how these narratives happen internally it may have nothing to do with actually what's on the outside but how you interpret these situations and the meaning it gets by you interpreting those situations you mentioned that this happened to you when you were around 10 years old and I always think about it as a timeline and if you imagine yourself where you're at now Mm. the the first 10 years not only it's such a significant part of your life right because you are developing but also because of the development and the things that happened to you during that time and how it uh, impacts you as a person no wonder that 10 years later or 15 years later we struggle to understand who we are because of these moments at such an early stage of our life when we find ourselves in situations where we feel like we don't have any other choice but to completely reject parts of ourselves in order to gain validation or feel worthy because that's what's happening internally. For me as you're speaking I'm taken back to my youngness as well of where it was the outward appearance that I put out exactly what I was supposed to you know I thought I was supposed to be doing and I was very liked I was very popular the same way you you know your friends thought you were cool so you were doing it exactly what you thought was necessary but yeah it was complete conflict so I really wanted to be special and that's a big thing that's taken me 38 years to admit it's cringe to want to be special um, and I was very special to my mum I was an only child with a single parent mum there's you know a lot of daddy issues that I didn't realise I had again until I was like late 30s but I just wanted to be special I wanted to be seen and I wanted to be heard I wasn't seen or heard by my dad even if I didn't think that I'd been abandoned but I felt abandoned Up until I was 10, I would say I was me, wholeheartedly me. Then I realized that that wasn't completely like okay by everyone. And then I spent the next 10 years, I felt uneasy a lot when I was younger. And then in my 20s, I thought I'd found myself 
well, I guess <laughs> I really grew accustomed to being that person. It fit. I was the lady person i think the part that you said about wanting to be special i cannot think of one person who won't relate to that actually i can't think of one woman who won't relate to that i actually think that only very few and the percentage is probably very small don't know what that feels like and the other ways to be special like to be seen and heard women are shut down now when i think about it i don't think society teaches girls to be special. I think society teaches girls to not take too much space. Absolutely agree. Society have been trying to make us smaller, not be seen, like don't be heard. And if we can just focus on our body, if we can be just focused on what diet to do next and what 10 pounds to lose next, then we can just be in our little bubble over here and not taking over the world. When I realized that as a like much bigger picture and when I, and I figured out that there was a bunch of racism in that, as well i just i don't want to be a part of that oppression so danny what behavioral habits do you see or hear with your clients that are signs of self-rejection what i see the most is a mistrust they don't trust themselves they don't trust things they don't trust their hunger cues as a as an example but they also don't trust their choices their opinions that they have they second guess it even if they make a choice to be like no i look good in this outfit today and then they second guess it there's too much noise but there's too much noise in our own heads a friend this wasn't a client actually said to me the other day we went to the beach and she messaged me two days later and was like oh my god so i was running around in my bikini and I've now suddenly thought fuck what if people thought that I rated myself in my body like what if they think I thought I look good it's like fucking hell because it's it's not even just as like do I look good or don't I or does that even matter it's like in depth of do they think I think I look good it wasn't enough to trust her internal validation. And I think I said something like, you're radiating like real great energy. Like she, she looked comfortable in her bikini like for the first time. And then she second guessed it two days later because in case other people thought she thought she looked good. Like what's so fucking wrong with you thinking you do look good in my coaching? I talk about false benefit a lot. Idea that you can trick yourself with staying comfortable staying safe so I think people don't trust themselves and then hold themselves accountable either because there's a mistrust and therefore they find it hard to stick to the systems that they want to build to create the lifestyle that they actually really would like because they get the false benefit quote unquote of staying safe of staying comfortable and not sitting with their discomfort not sitting with their feeling I think as well it's that not being able to accept that their feelings can be up and down and just you know not trusting in the general life even just bringing back what you were saying earlier when you felt that unease in yourself and I feel like if we were taught to understand that our body provides us with feedback how does your body feel Mm -hmm. about you showing up as this person or you behaving like this that is so much feedback because we're not taught how to kind of connect to that there's no guidance there's no compass so we don't learn to trust ourselves we don't know how to read that feedback i think the mistrust thing is huge i think the mistrust is really the main root of self-abandonment 
because it is when I don't trust that I can be okay as I am mm-hmm. that then leads me to just go do you know what because I don't know if I will be okay being myself or I don't know if I will be okay embracing myself as I am it's safer for me to just get rid of this part of me and whatever that looks like you know there are so many ways that we talk about in our podcast whatever that looks like will be prioritized by our system and I talk about this a lot with my clients and I think I've mentioned that in previous episodes as well because the need the need is always prioritized over what is maybe better for us it will always come back to that and so I think it's important when we talk about these things again just remind people that mistrust isn't a choice it stems from needing to protect ourselves against being rejected but it then actually leads us to reject ourselves. So according to you, what are the three things that can help women finding themselves again? So kind of coming back to that trust thing. So for me, it's the gut or feeling of things. But you know, firstly, like a lot of it is like getting people to journal, but I ask them to track their feelings more so than anything else. I think learning to trust themselves and really listen to their inner not ick feeling. And I think you do know it when you start really tracking how you're feeling my number two is people giving themselves loving action so rather than love being a feeling it's more of a behavior I think self-love can seem quite woo-woo and well I don't love myself so how am I going to do that for me it's like it's kind of separating my behaviors from my am my am is worthy it's good enough my behaviors though I might not like them but then I always know that I'm still worthy of loving action that loving action might be nourishing myself with particular food it might be having a rest sleep but making sure that I'm giving myself self-loving action that for me is self-love and I feel like when clients start doing that even when they don't like themselves or like the behavior that they give off or even if they look in the mirror and don't like what they see and then but then still giving themselves loving action I think that's really really important I feel like with with a lot of my clients one of the first concepts that I'd get across to them is the concept that just because you don't love or like your body does not mean you have to treat it like shit. What happens is this is bi-directional relationship between how you feel in your body and how you treat your body. So if you feel shit in your body and you treat your body like shit, guess what? You're going to feel shit in your body. But if you feel shit in your body and you treat your body well, guess what? You tend to feel a bit better in your body. So just being able to understand that just a small action in the way that you approach your body can change how you feel about it is so powerful. And the same thing with with yourself as well. This leads into my number three, which is acceptance, which clients are always like, "Um, if I accept myself, I'll never change. And I'm like, no, if we don't accept ourselves, it will motivate us into change. Like, let's hate myself into being better. It took me so long to trust and just take that little step of what if I just like was okay with how I am? What does that look like if I just said, fuck it, I'm not even going to try and change? Because when 
there's resistance to accepting, it's like you're trying to open a locked door and it's just like bang, bang, bang. But when there's acceptance, it's like you open these double French doors to this beautiful garden and there's space, there's headspace. If suddenly you accept your body, I do truly believe you have headspace to actually now take the steps to create the systems that you may need to create if you wanted to change your body. That's in that version, but that plays into the deeper head stuff mindset too. It's like, give yourself some fucking time and space and openness inside of you to just be. And when you can be and there's stillness, there's room and time to do what you need to do to create the life you want to create. And be the person you want to be. Like my first ever group coaching was called Wannabe. I'm a Spice Girl fan. It was called Wannabe. And it was literally about we have this idea of who we think we want to be. But essentially, that's who we already are. It's such a weird concept to me that self-acceptance is associated for majority of people with letting yourself go oh, and God, yeah. neglecting yourself. I'm really struggling with with like where does that come from? But where I think it does come from, and it's not going to be just the one thing, but I'm seeing this point of view from my own experience. And the way I was raised was very much in this direction. And I can see that it's a generational thing as much mm-hmm. as toxic positivity thing as Mm -hmm. much as tough love thing which is something that I received a lot when I was growing up when I look back at my parents and their parents they didn't have the knowledge of self-compassion I think self-compassion was something that meant you are weak exactly and you wouldn't have survived I I even think that you wouldn't have survived with self-compassion 80 years ago Like one of my values, it's contentment. I can name you the times in my life when I've had those moments because in the last five years, I've gotten to a really great place with contentment of like that feeling of feeling nourished after I come back from coaching, how I was looking after myself. And there was a feeling of contentment, but that doesn't mean I was, you know, happy every day. And that came with a lot of acceptance of surrendering, surrendering to the bullshit voices that I have had going on in my head for 35 to 38 years. The way that I see it, not going with acceptance, almost like trying to change from a place of rejection, it's just being like anchored still in the past with that mistrust. Well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do this if I'm, if I'm given like a whole packet of crisps. And actually it's just kind of letting go of that anchor. And going, okay, so what do I need to work on so that I can trust myself around this packet of crisps? And it shows you what you need to work on in terms of the trust. So, yeah, I think it's it's amazing how all these things can kind of link together and they all feed into each other. Interesting you said anchor. I think often we, we use the word like anchored to feel grounded. That keeps you stuck in that one place. You're bobbing up and down in the ocean, like anchored to that one place and you're not getting to like drift off into other amazing, awesome places. Maybe we need to not be anchored into that comfort zone so that we can float around on the waves and tumble in, <laughs> tumble in the ocean, etc. Sorry, I love a bit of a wanky analogy, but like, and end up, you know, on an island somewhere where we like experience new things. And yeah, it's scary, but at the same time, it's like we're not just stuck. And it's an identity as well. It's like, this is how I behave, this is who I am. And this is also, again, why do we self sabotage? Because there is that anchor that is comfortable keeping us there, taking us away, even though we're trying to swim to a completely different place. 
Like yeah. we're not born and chained to a metal heavy thing, which is society's expectations as an example, maybe, but like we're the anchor. So like wherever we go, we can be grounded. Yeah. I love that. So if you could go back, what would you do to save your child's version of yourself from self-rejection? So interesting, you've said this word already, but I would give myself so much self-compassion. And if I was to say one sentence to myself, it would be, you're not too much. That sentence, if I could really, truly say that to myself and believe it and trust it, I think that would have changed so much. Like from the age of 13, at least, like I was really horrible to myself. And I did a lot of I am's as well. Like I am lazy. I am a procrastinator rather than I behave. And like like that language for me changed so much of my life um, when I learned to talk about my behavior rather than who I am. Potentially I'm behaving in a particular way, but that, you know, it's not who you are. I found a journal from when I was about 14. Me and my friend literally wishing we had bulimia. And in my diary, it's, I put, I'm so angry at myself. I can't, I can't be anorexic because I, I can't just eat one apple a day. Like I, I have to have more food and I have a phobia about being sick. And so I, I can't make myself sick. So I can't be bulimic. I'm not good enough to even do that. You know, and I didn't realize the heaviness of eating disorders back then, obviously. That's crazy to me because I so relate to that. And it's crazy to me that I wasn't the only one who had this experience. And for me, it wasn't bulimia, but for me, it was anorexia. So this magazine, there was an article about some girl who was suffering with anorexia. And I was thinking, I wish I was not able to eat. And I wish I could eat just one apple a day. It's just fucked up, isn't it? Obviously, that was a horrible, horrible thing for her to go through. And like, I hated myself so much that I wish I could just stop eating. I think my experience, I thought it was like a, a choice, like, and I just wasn't choosing it. So the times mm-hmm. that I did try to make myself throw up, it's like, oh, I can't do this. It's like, why can't I do it? It's like, how can people just do it all the time? Like, it's just, I don't get it. And why can't I? So, and of course, I had no freaking clue that it was psychological. This is why I'm even more concerned about like younger generations because of social media and the impact that that has. I mean, I even see as a late teens, early 20s, the impact that social media had on my relationship with my boy. I even see the impact, though, that social media has on me as a 38-year-old, let alone being a teenager. I really feel that I could say, I can say this with so much truth in my soul that I would not have survived, not how I felt at the time, and then having social media. I survived in the sense of I would have 100%, I think, had an eating disorder at the very least. So apart from, I guess, the diet culture and its influence on social media on women, in what other ways do you think that social media is contributing towards women abandoning themselves? I think, of course, the diet culture is such a big thing, but it isn't just diet culture, is it? It's everything. It's the very idea that we are all seeking a very dichotomous, static, perfect existence. That it's this one way. Because I think what the cell is on social media for, for anything is... You're either in the gutter or you're like living your best life. Even when you're living your best life, it's great. It's nuanced. It's up and down. It's happy days, sad days. When I was my most happy in 2018, I truly can tell you it's like my most happiest year I've ever had in my whole entire life. There was still ups and downs. And so 
what I despise on social media is that in general, people aren't sharing the down. It's the one thing why I do my Instagram the way I do it. It's just because I hate so much when I don't see the downs. I want to see the process. Like, even if I'm following a fashion blogger, like I want to see when they put an outfit together and it looks shy. I don't really care for the perfect outfits or when they go out and it's creased. Please wear a creased outfit. You're not eyeing every fucking outfit, you fucking liar. <laughs> well, literally, if you could see us, me and Emma are dying in the background right now. <laughs> it's so hilarious. No. <laughs> you're so you're so right honestly it honestly i couldn't agree with you more leave me alone just leave me live my average life honestly i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine don't boss babe me do not boss babe bitch me okay i don't need to be a boss babe bitch so i feel like you know coming back to the the idea of wanting to be special now yes we probably still have aesthetic goals and things like that that are still you know prominent but now it's about like being popular on social media or being recognized or you know this many likes and becoming an influencer and oh i don't know it just i don't know it just drives me nuts I feel it less now, but like there's, I've had so many different journeys and feelings during my bit on Instagram. Like I've I've had it since 2015, and it got traction in 2016. And to be honest, I haven't gained an amount of following since maybe 2017, 18. Like it's been same, like lost and gained, lost and gained. Right at one point, that hurt my soul. Yes, it's got to do with I want to be special. Translating that into like what you said, Mish, it's like I want to be seen and heard. But I, you know, I realized I was putting stuff out to be heard rather than to give something of value. Not all the time, but there was an an essence of that. And I think that that's fine. We're not fucking perfect. I. I'm not Brené Brown, right? So at the end of the day, there is going to always be a little bit of that. But I do find what Instagram trapped me in was comparison, if you if you draw it down back to the bare basic. I used to talk about mindset a lot back in 2015, 16, like when I first got into my coaching. We did well-being, like mindset stuff. It was all about identity. And, and I got to this point. I didn't get popular talking about mindset stuff. And now every Tom fucking... Dick and Harry has got thousands of following talking about the stuff I was talking about five years ago. Fuck <laughs> Oh, now you know Brené Brown. I knew Brené Brown seven years ago. It's like, you know, all those ego or ego feelings and stuff. And that's the sort of shit that social, I mean, that's not just social media. I'm sure I've done that in real life, but it exasperates it. So that brought out my ego a lot. Rather than just being like, great, now we're all talking about mindset more. I, yeah, it bothered me that I wasn't popular from it it's interesting hearing (laughs) where you started your presence on social media because I feel like now it's very far from that but in a good way and it's it's one of those things that I really really admire and I also told you that it's something that really inspires me because it's just your authenticity and your rawness on daily really that I find very inspiring for me personally because I think when it comes to social media there's definitely that aspect of feeling like imposter when I talk about certain things I always start thinking well but I don't have this education and I don't have that education and I can't express myself as much as I would like to or as well as I would like to there was a time where I was like oh my god but English is not my first language and then there Mm -hmm. was a time where I was like oh my god my voice is disgusting and I I could literally list all the different excuses or reasons why 
I am not the person to to talk on different topics and be able to provide that value for the people just by being me. I I see that a lot with you. What I find so interesting, everything you said, I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, I'm not educated. I go over my head so much that I haven't got a proper PhD in psychology or whatnot. And so sometimes I'm like, do I even have the right to talk about what I talk about? about then my rationale and or my inner core feeling is that of course I do because I talk from experience and I talk from my soul and I'm not always going to get it right I don't necessarily know all the terms you know that's not not the point but all those things you feel me like when you your reels and your thing I'm like oh my god I wish I was as articulate as me she is so smart like it's just I feel I just ramble some bullshit (laughs) You stop because that makes me feel really um, emotional. <laughs> it's so true. So that's why I just found that so mad. Like that, that is you... mad. That is mad that you think I'm articulate. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> Let's come into our final question now for you, Danny. Which is, what do you think the wider impact on the world would be if more women were to reconnect to themselves? I think the wider impact would be that the world wouldn't be in such a fucking shit show. I feel that there'd be so many more women leaders. There'd be compassionate leading and communities be more listening. And I really feel like the rich white man sitting, you know, sitting at the top of the table and not giving a seat. I feel that they really do fear us. I think they fear losing their power. We would take over the world. And I don't think that we would take it over in the way in which it's been taken over i think the world would be a warmer safer emotionally safer place imagine if we weren't all trying to be smaller figuratively and literally we'd be the big characters that we could be all shapes and sizes mentally physically it's almost hard to even comprehend inside of me when I think about it. Even just, if I look at everything that is wrong with this world, I, it is due to ego of men. And and sometimes ego women. But I feel I like... ego in general, right? I feel like as a woman, the only way that we're told that we can be successful is to be more like a man, right? To, and I think, actually, we can do it in our own way. You know, we can still have anger, right? But we can use it constructively, right? We can still demand respect, but we can do it in a way that is not belittling everybody else we can be in a place where we can maybe show the patriarchy and and, and men how to do it better so i'm all for it i I do feel like that but interestingly enough then i second guess myself and i i go oh god are we we being arrogant and i'm gonna stop that right there bullshit we've been taught to have that second guess arrogant fear it's coming back to our intention behind that our intention yeah. is not to make women more powerful than men. The intention no. is to make the world a better place. And how can you doubt that intention? And we can all have a seat at that table. Like, I just truly believe that. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. We couldn't have chosen a better first guest. And I was saying how nervous she was. And I was like, don't worry. Once Danny comes on, you'll be fine. <laughs> well, I've, I've seen you on, on Instagram, Danny, and I love watching your stuff. Oh, I love that. I love that a lot. So last question for you. If listeners want to find out more about you, if they want to see more of your stuff, where can they find more about you, more of your work? Well, my women's gym at List Studio London would be where a lot of coaching 
coaching and work reside on my other page at Danny Tabor, where you can find me talking mostly about the things that I really deeply believe in aside from fitness and nutrition. I just hope that I encourage as much as possible us to have a voice and an authentic voice in a world that tries shutting us down. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week for our next episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at returningto1self, where you can receive updates on our next episode release dates, topics, and where you can engage with us too. We would love for you to tag us if you found this episode resonated. Remember, you have and always will deserve to return to oneself.